So welcome back to Live and Learn season two. It's exciting that we're back on screens and coming back. I mean, there's so many things that have changed, but not so much. I mean, I've gone from blonde brunette and I'm back in London. I'm actually back in the office, which is exciting, but who knows for how long. Um, and while so much is changing, we some, some of us feel like we're kind of sitting in the same exact same spot, which we are physically. Um, I think the world around us and the business around us is changing at such an incredible rate. And that's why I'm so excited to have Stacey back from Brand Elective. Um, thanks for coming back, Stacey. It was awesome having you on season one. Um, we had such great feedback and so many questions that I thought it was so important that we kicked off season two with you. And this huge, huge topic of how can we create human connections online? Um, so thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about it. I am. We're going to have to limit what we cover because we have promised that we'd only do 30 minutes it is five over here in the uk and i think 30 minutes is just enough for the amount of content that's out there right now that everyone is having to keep up with and i think we can keep it punching short so in the next 30 minutes we're going to quickly cover um the importance of going back to basics when looking at and building these human moments and connections um, looking at your digital conversion cycle and looking at where the breaks are and where to focus your attention um, and some real practical and helpful tips on what we're seeing right now working in terms of how to build, you know, those, those connections online. Um, so Stacey, with that in mind, a couple of stats to kick us off. I mean, we can only really, really plan until the end of the year. And even that is a push for many brands and businesses. A week feels like an incredibly long time right now. Um, in that, you know, when we're looking at our planning, I mean, most of the brands that we're advising at the moment, we're saying like eight weeks since. What about you? Mm, yeah, really similar. I think we've sort of still got those, you know, annual plans in place, or we'll call them goals, I suppose. But it really, in terms of a planning, it's, you know, in four week cycles and we try to look at the quarter, but really in four week cycles. Other than that, too much changes. There's too much changing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, just for like one example, like it took Netflix to get where it did in seven years. It took Disney Plus to get there in five months. It's just incredible the changes that are, that are really happening. Um, and I think, I mean, a lot of us would have seen in the last couple of weeks, like the, the film, The Social Dilemma that's just come out. That really does show the impact that the platforms are having. But one of the things I want to touch on today is that beyond the platforms having to make this change, we as business owners, as brand owners, as brand advocates, we have a lot of work to do too. Um, and that's one of the things I, I, that I definitely want to touch on later. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So I think just getting back to basics in looking at whatever your plan was as a brand, you, like you say, you might still have those long-term goals, but right now it's really about getting back to basis and looking at that SWOT analysis. And it seems so basic and so simple, but people really overlook the importance of having a SWOT and having a SWOT analysis for the next eight to nine weeks is so, so, so important. I know you and I have both been doing this over the last couple of weeks. I'm keen to get some guidance from you as well and your helpful tips in how that brands can really maximize this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think it's, you know, I've never done as much swatting in the last three months as I've probably done in my entire career running an agency. Um, squats at the same time, we'll keep yeah. up with the amount of connections. Right. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a swat basically is a very simple, quick way to get a real handle on the situation that you're actually in. So, 
Um, it's a really simple exercise. We always tell clients, you know, we can do this at very you know, macro level, but also very micro level. So what I mean by that is at the macro, you know, this is something that you could bang out in 15 minutes. You know, if you really need to decide how are we making a decision on a specific uh, project we're moving forward with? Should we launch this new product? Should we respond to this with this particular audience? You know, drawing up on a A4 sheet of paper into quadrants and just really just figuring out where are we at? Um, so very high level. Obviously, you can go as detailed as you like. But for the sake of today's um, episode and kind of getting in front of people, for anybody who hasn't done a SWOT at all, or at least recently, this is something that we're sort of suggesting, and maybe Charlotte, you can chip in here, but we're, mm. you know, we're suggesting at least quarterly at this point um, mm. to get, yeah, to get really good understanding of where you're at. So what is a SWOT? Well, it's essentially an acronym for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, and the strengths and weaknesses usually are internally focused. So it's like, what are our strengths and weaknesses within our own business, within our own offering? And then the outside piece of the, the opportunities and the threats are usually external factors the things that are impacting our, our business. I think also with the current situation is that actually all four areas probably need both internal and external. And you may need to look a little bit more externally than what you normally would. So you need to be much more aware of what's going on in your industry around you. Um, and also, I think this is an opportunity. Don't allow this to be all doom and gloom. We all know what's happening. That's great. Let's get on with it. But there are opportunities out there. You just need yeah. to really dig deep to identify them. And exactly what you said, Stacey, like just get it on a big, a big piece of paper. It doesn't have to be some big expensive exercise. Get it done in an hour with your whole team or, or leadership mm -hmm. team. Um, and just push through what it is because actually it really narrows and focuses the mind to actually, oh, do you know what? Uh, a couple of months ago, the majority of businesses got up to a 50 grand bounce back loan. What does that mean for your business? Is that something that they can reinvest? Um, mm -hmm. you know, so many other little things that happen that actually you could create campaigns just based on what comes out of them. Yeah. I mean, I think you make a really good point that, you know, traditionally we would do a SWOT on our own business or for in our examples, it's probably for our clients' businesses and their product offering, but there's no reason that you can't do a SWOT on almost any decision that you're trying to make. So whether it is, you know, should I apply for a bounce back loan, do a quick SWOT analysis on how that, what that kind of impact would make. Um, I've done it recently with regards to, should I take on this client um, that's a little bit outside this normal industries we would work with, do a quick SWOT analysis, decide it's tempting, but is it the right move for the business? And just, you know, if you get into a really um, regular use of <laughs> putting these sorts of things together, it really helps you to make decisions and quite informed decisions quite quickly. Mm -hmm. So I guess, should we start with strengths right at the top? So internal. So this is usually things like, um, I was doing this recently with, um, a letting agency that we work with so in the property sector um, and some of the things that came up sort of as strengths were just their incredible knowledge of their local area so that's just something that they have above you know a lot of other agents in the area so is it and it's understanding demand so do they understand supply and demand that's a real strength for them um, the legality. So there's lots of changes to commercial property, for example, at the moment, they have a specialist who specializes in the legality of all of those different changes. Um, it's things like experience, like, you know, 60 years experience of, in this specific area. Um, other strengths for businesses can be things like people, be their team. Um, it can be your IP, your trademarks. Um, so all of these sorts of things is what you want to list under your strengths as something that you have that nobody else does. 
Would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think it's the end point is really important. It's don't be too generalized. Be specific as what no one else does. It has to be digging into your USP. And yeah. actually, the local knowledge in this instant for an estate agent is amazing because if you are moving into a new area, previously you would have gone and visited that area much more. You can't do that because of previous lockdowns or the lockdowns we're about to go into. You'd be doing a lot more online searches. Google Maps only gives you so much. So what does that estate agent, you know, coming out of that strain, what that estate agent can then do is have yeah. incredible videos of their knowledge exactly as they were they would have done in a face-to-face -face, someone walking off the street into the estate agents. You do on video. And that can reach much more than just having one or two people coming from the street. In actual fact, that strength or that video sharing that local knowledge could actually be a sales campaign. Absolutely. And in that specific example, it's about understanding how much of the, your audience are new to the area or moving within the area, right? Because if you're moving within the area, maybe it's less of a strength, but if 40% of your audience, if 40% of you know, new housing sales come from people that are not currently living in that area, then that is a huge, huge asset to that particular business. You, know? you made another really good point there around, it can't just be something really general. So I think a lot of times people were like, oh, well, um, you know, really great strength of mine is we have this amazing um, customer service. Well, if everybody else in your sector also has amazing customer service, yeah. that's yeah. actually not a strength. That's yeah. an expectation. Yeah. So be very, very important. Differentiate yeah, between really, expectation. Exactly right. So USPs. Think USPs. That's what you want to have under your strengths. Weaknesses. The next part, weaknesses. Um, so again, we're thinking internally here. I don't know about you, Charlotte, but I find that this goes two ways. For me, when I'm working with a client, it's either that they're very good at highlighting absolutely everything that's wrong with them. <laughs> and they've got a very long, exhaustive list, uh, almost like it's, yeah, that they, they go full on into it. Or it's the opposite end where they actually can't see. They don't see anything wrong. They don't see any potential weaknesses. Mm. Um, and in some ways, that's a little bit more alarming. So I think the key thing is here is making sure that you you know, you're pretty honest, you know, what are the weaknesses? Don't be afraid to put them on the paper. Don't be afraid to discuss them with the team because, you know, if you try to avoid that, you try to stick your head in the sand and ignore the fact that there are some weaknesses within the business, yeah. then, you know, that's going to be something that can come back to bite you. And I think, again, don't be overwhelmed by it. If both, like both of your examples there are wrong, right? We don't want the long list and we don't want the nothing. The long yeah. list is you as maybe a business owner, a brand owner, dumping, uh, everything you know to be wrong it's what does yeah. the customer or your prospects know to be wrong and when we go on to the digital conversion cycle in a minute um we'll cover that because it's not what's everything that's wrong with the business what's wrong right now that's going to help you in the next 90 days so where yeah. are the breaks in your marketing funnel where are the breaks in your customer service and how you delight your your customers where are the breaks in your delivery and therefore the, rep the reputation of the brand um yeah. and i would break them down into into that area right now um, yeah, quality of product, you know, quality of customer service. Is it that you've got a cash flow funding issue? Is it that do you have your own limiting belief or fear that's holding you back from actually making decisions? Um, you know, is it technology? Is that something you need to be investing in? Just um, being very, very specific about the area that you have a weakness in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think opportunities is that is the most exciting one for this stage because at the moment it doesn't feel like there are many and there mm -hmm. are it's whether you just need to rethink about how to 
reconnect with people. So if you're in a business or a brand that used to have an incredible amount of face-to-face -face human connections, so you had a retail element, you had an event element, maybe you had a networking element, and all of that feels very restricted now, albeit you might be very good at it, you might be doing it online. Um, there are so many other ways to help connect with people beyond that. So if you, for instance, let's take Apple as a, as a prime example, had an incredible retail experience, thousands upon thousands of brand advocates and those brand advocates are scripted trained you know they're almost like actors based on the brand they were closed down for a long time and even as retail as a whole globally is on decline apple is still investing but not a retail experience and in, in a, um, a village you know a, a full experience but still with brand advocates and then that closed and then you went onto apple website which is a 2d website so you have all of this interruption as a brand and now you just have a 2d website with a bit of a pretty picture about the product and product spec that's it mm -hmm. there's a huge gap and a huge opportunity for every brand and business to fill that gap and if yeah. you think about what you would do as maybe the business owner or the brand advocate you would have a script a way of being a sentiment a way of you the way you look the way you feel the way you approach a pitch the way you went into an event all of that can be recreated in video. You just yeah. have to have that video every step of the journey of your conversion cycle. Mm. Um, and I think brands are really missing a trick in not having that, this assumption that you can go from an ad or a social post or a search engine to a website and that's it. They're going to be mesmerized. They're going to be bored. No, yeah. you need at least 10 interactions. We're missing nine. And those yeah. nine have to have this full story of exactly what we would do in a face-to-face -face environment. Um, so in terms of opportunities, that's where I see like, the biggest opportunities for brands right now. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like looking at, I mean, these are all external things, right? And so by external, we usually mean things that can't really change. So it's like, you know, this isn't a conscious choice of ours, but it's understanding what the market is presenting us right now. So, um, you know, is it that, yes, we've gone through this pandemic and yes, we're about to enter a recession, but you know, there are a lot of businesses that are born out of a recession. You know, I started my business out of a recession. There's a lot of opportunity there and it's about being able to spot it. So I think just a couple of takeaways, I guess, for people that are filling in this list on their little piece of paper, think about trends, think about what is happening right now off the consumer trends, industry trends for your specific sector. What is happening right now that you could capitalize on? Um, launching a new product, something that can capitalize on that trend. And then demographic, think about, you know, how is your demographic affected by the current situation and what can you be offering them? You know, if you work, for example, with um, 60 plus, okay, that's an aging workforce, for example, are people choosing to take voluntary redundancies? Are people choosing to early retirement, all that kind of stuff? And what kind of opportunity does that provide to you? You know, th these are the sorts of things we need to be looking at. Should we move, we'll move really, we'll swiftly move on to threats as well, I was trying to say. <laughs> so I know where we want to get onto this um, conversion cycle for sure. So external environment, external sort of environmental impacts, you know, what, how do you kind of look at threats, Charlotte, when you're kind of looking through this for your clients? I think pre-COVID, pre um, it would be a very different exercise. I would say for this right now, keep it small. We know there's huge threats. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Don't let it impact the team. Think about maybe the smaller threats, the day-to-day. -day. What's going to happen in the next eight weeks? Okay, yes, a second lockdown. How does that impact um, schools going back or schools not going back? Um, <laughs> how does that impact your customer? Yeah. But with every threat, try and see and work through what the opportunity is. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, I, find my, I find myself at the moment talking a lot about like being productively paranoid. 
So by, you know, we don't want to get all scared and freaked out by, you know, everything that's happening, but we do need to be fairly realistic about what's actually happening. So I am talking to a lot of clients about looking at economic impact. Um, I am telling them to look at competitors, look at competitor pricing, look at competitor messaging. Are there some threats there? Um, you know, if there's new, I work a lot in financial services. There's lots of new re- uh, legislation coming out, lots of changes that are coming off the back of Brexit and all these sorts of things that are popping up for, uh, in the financial industry. Um, and again, trends, you know, are the trends that we're seeing coming through this year positively or negatively impacting your business? So those are a couple of things I'm finding we're looking at. And, and competition, like do the SWOT on your competition, because if you can recognize where your competitors are weak, This is going to sound very aggressive, but you can exploit (laughs) their weaknesses. You know, it can actually help to highlight some of your strengths by looking at their weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. I think with any threat, again, there is that opportunity to find below it. And with, yeah, I just think you have to constantly be thinking about what you could, what you could be doing next, where in your marketing, your content, you could be sharing things that people wouldn't necessarily think about you to cover what may or may not happen. I think also going back to the kind of like trends at the moment in what we're seeing in the the social dilemma, we are all responsible in not pushing too far in this addiction wheel. And because we're under threat, and I, I think that's such a great term, like productively paranoid is brilliant. We are under threat, which your natural instinct is to do more, do more, go harder. That isn't what I would recommend to anyone right now. This is about quality over quantity. Don't go crazy with your content, make it count. Um, and yes, we are under threat, but keep that section of your SWAT really small and constantly think about what, what that is with the opportunity. And with that opportunity, constantly be thinking about the value add. What does your brand or business add and why would someone come? to connect with you completely yes i think it's like i'm always just the question you have to come back to is do you deliver value like that is it it's very simple actually and i think there's an example that i'm finding myself using quite a bit with regards to different when i'm working with a lot of different brands to help them to understand where the value is and how to capture the attention of their audience there's kind of three areas i get them to think about one is the functional one is the rational and one is the emotional. And actually, I believe that in today's economic conditions that we actually do need all three. Um, and, and, and more so than probably ever before. Because, you know, if there's a brand that I talk about all the time. Hopefully it's okay for me to mention this on this podcast. But um, the um, Who Gives a Crap is what they're called. <laughs> they're a toilet paper brand for anybody who hasn't heard of them before. It's a subscription service, right? And they very, very clearly, if you look at any of their communications, do this very well. So they're functional, right? We all purchase loo roll. That's just every household in the UK. And, more than others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're about to go into lockdown. So when they're about to really <laughs> to make a killing, but very functional product, obviously, right. That's very clear. Rational. How, how you as a toilet brand, a toilet paper brand supposed to stand out, be rational and put the emotional spin. Well, the way that they do this is their rational piece is that everything is recycled. It's 100% recycled um, uh, paper and there's no plastic packaging. So that's a rational choice, right? Because we all like to support the environment. We all want to work with more sustainable brands and purchase from sustainable brands, very rational decision-making. If I've got 10 different brands on a shelf, I will choose them because they don't have plastic wrapping, right? Um, The emotional piece, those that've got a huge social impact, 
So 50% of their profit is given to, and that's a lot, right? 50% of their profit is given to developing um, sanitary and you know, flushing toilets in developing countries. Mm. So again, if that doesn't give them a differentiator across every other toilet paper brand, I don't know what does. Mm. So I guess, do you deliver value? Functional, rational, emotional. Think about how you're touching on those three key points. Yeah, I think that's such a key. That's such a key takeaway in any content, any piece that you do. That it has to have all three because, and if we have to cross all three. It's like the head, the heart, and the gut, isn't it? We have to be aligned all three in mm -hmm. all the stories. Um, awesome. I'm keen for us to jump on our digital. Totally, I'd love to. What uh, while we identify what our opportunities and um, strengths are, it's really important for us to look at what your overall picture is. Again, going back to this, it's very prominent at the moment with the social the um the social dilemma. Especially as businesses and as brand owners, we also have a huge responsibility, a moral and ethical responsibility to not feed into the problem. And the problem being this addiction or this trapping constantly online, constantly in. Um, so I would also get everyone to think about their funnel or their conversion cycle, however they do it. But don't constantly be pumping the top of the funnel if you can't bring people through and nurture them all the way through to the connection um, or the deeper connection and, and maybe the conversion. But for example if you're spending money on advertising and you're pumping into the top of the funnel and then you are not doing anything to convert or engage um you need to rethink about where your marketing and content is going so let's just use simple numbers if you're then getting a thousand people you're viewing a thousand people a week on your top of your funnel so that may be your organic social content it may be your paid social content it might be search engine optimization or paid ads in any which way um, Something 500 people are then clicking on that and they're going through to your uh, landing page, blog, website, however you layer yours. If at that point you've then got 250 people, so another 50% conversion, staying on for more than 30 seconds, that is a high conversion, that is highly engaged. 30 seconds of our time is so ex extraordinary that those 250 people are who you should be con concentrating on, not going back to get the next thousand people who you're interrupting, who you're getting, getting more addicted to their phones and in the, in the platforms and they're spending too much time. Um, so I'd say just from a moral and like a, a standpoint, that's what we definitely need to, that's what we need to cover. In terms of how, um, let's just spend some time looking at say the the second layer of the of the digital conversion cycle your landing pages your blogs and your website if when you're analyzing that or you're not analyzing that start it's really difficult um it takes a little bit of time at first it's not difficult it's just a habit i make our team do that every single week and a lot of the time i get asked that question oh my god why am i looking at this because what you're doing is you're looking at a lag lagging indicator this is a previous indicator this has already happened you don't want to look at a lagging indicator a month ago yeah, you need to be looking at them on a weekly basis if there are dips and there are changes you need to respond now because as we've already mentioned our behavior is changing so rapidly that you need to be on your numbers every single week if at that point you're then seeing a dip maybe it's your engagement rate is dipping the amount of people on the site then the time they're spending on the site is dipping you need to, to rejig the content and rejig the story yeah. I think just one last point on that before I hand over Stacey is the 
if your 2D website is flat and doesn't get across your brand personality, your values, your culture, your value add, exactly what we're just saying, the functional, the rational, the emotional, if you're not getting that, you need to relook at your content and it'll probably be the best three hours you spend this week. Yeah. Agreed. I like, I love everything you just mentioned there. I think, you know, we're very quick to, um, or at least a lot of my clients are very quick to just continue to increase budget or to try and get, you know, more, um, share of voice across their ads or whatever it might be across their marketplace. And actually there's, there's probably many holes in once you've taken someone from top of the funnel and worked their way down that are really, really important to identify. Um, but equally, the, the most important thing that's, I think it's so important to be looking at these numbers regularly because I've seen people make the mistake the opposite way around where they're thinking, oh God, my marketing isn't really working. I need to look at this copywriting in my emails or the style of the images that are going out across my social. And actually sometimes I'm like, right, let me do an audit of this. And once we've done a quick audit, I'm like, actually the challenge is that there's not enough people in this funnel, you know, that you've got. 2000 people in this funnel and actually you really need 10,000, a hundred thousand before you actually start to make an impact. So I think it's not about, I, I guess what I would like to encourage anybody who's listening to this and is wondering like, where do they put their energy? Do the audit of understanding that cycle because you can very quickly see where the problem is. Yeah. And it gives you a starting point, right? Like where to focus your energy, where to focus your resources is on the sticking point rather than just guesswork which i think unfortunately right now a lot of businesses are doing yeah it's based on hearsay emotional recent reactions whatever the boss said you know our own bias like exactly it needs to it needs to come from data because none of us have been here before we don't know where we're even going next week and the data is what's telling us we're in a position also from an audit perspective that we're not going to have many leading indicators what's happening. So you still have maybe your sales leading indicators, how many appointments have you got booked, how many calls are you going to make? So you'll have a few, how many posts are you going to do? What email campaign are you going to do? You'll have some leading indicators, but we, we are really reliant on our lagging indicators right now, which is why it's super important to have them on a more regular basis. Um, don't be surprised if the, 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 you know the breaks in the chain are changing really rapidly because what you'll find is you'll you'll put your attention on one that will get fixed and you're at the next stage and you can't fix them all at once because we're on smaller teams smaller budgets we've got more to do for less money that's just you know where we're at, where we're at in terms of a you know the global recession that we're about to enter so taking one one bit at a time i've mentioned this again but just one of those practical tips is around video it doesn't have to be ridiculously expensive in fact the more authentic video the more that it would be as if you and i were in real life in the way that if i was selling my agency at an event or i was doing a keynote or like this it's just pre it's just recorded live and we're talking as we would do in real life um and i understand that that doesn't have to always be the brand owner that could be brand advocates it could be your retail environment it could be actors that you would have had in a pop-up um it can, you know, the face of the brand can be anyone. Um, it's just about having that human interaction so that people get the feeling like they would have done if they were in real life. Um, and trying to break that up at so many stages of the chain. Uh, I often see also with digital conversion that there's, there's multiple cycles, which you should have, 
but the size of them are way too small. So we have this element where it's like there's a three-step conversion cycle. There's a social post, there's a website, there's a form. It goes into our CRM. Absolutely not. There should be at least seven to 10 points. It's just like if when you're in dating, you first start dating, you're not moving in together. You're just doing enough to get them to the next date. Do I want to see this person again? I'm just moving on. There's the odd things where you have like the one night stands, which is the Amazon one click buys, you know, they're in, but they're impulse, low tickets, you know, they were more disposable, which we're going to see a lot less of. This disposable buying is, 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 moving, is moving away because we don't have the disposable income, right? We've got a huge amount of recession coming redundancies coming up at the end of the month the disposable income is going down what we are spending our money on is as you said already value add sustainable ethical brands things that i can invest in things that will keep for a long time or that i really need on top of that like the kind of amazon one click buys you have the situational buys so in march it was the desks the at-home desk for at-home working in april it was reinventing the garden you know there were so many of those big but there's those brands are very rare. Most of us in those brands, they, that isn't the reflection of business right now. They're the odd ones. They're like the Ubers, the Netflix of this world that we would all love to be, but the reality is we're not there. Yeah. We have to build in this seven to 10 touch points. Um, and at each touch point, thinking about how to humanize and storytize that connection. Um, that is easier said than done, I get that. And that does take a bit of work. So just, you know, thinking about and drawing it out, it doesn't need to be this big flow chart. It can be on paper, just draw it out and start to think about, okay, if I was face to face with that person and that was the second touch point of this brand or business, what would I say? Mm. And that often guides where your content needs to go. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Thinking about like just multiple forms of content too. So I think, you know, video, I agree with you. Like, I think it's always my number one. I think every business should be doing it. Um, but also beyond that, you know, like we all need to be able to see that there's audible content that we can consume. So whether that's, you know, through audio clips shared on social, whether that's podcast downloads um, or audio books, whatever it might be be then also the real visual element so you know it is the gifts and the infographics and the beautiful photographs and whatever you know it's going to be related to the individual product but making sure there's a lot of visual stimulation um and then there's the written form too so it's just making sure that and i guess also actionable gamifying what you're doing quizzes action points downloads you know we need to like if you were to walk into a store you've used this example right we would have had we would have been immersed and we would have had all these different experiences and someone needs to have that online. If we cannot do that anymore, we, I need to watch a video. I need to see an animation. I need to see an infographic for the process because the person couldn't walk me through it into the shop. I want to be able to binge and listen to four or five podcast episodes on the subject. Um, you know, I want to scroll through images upon images upon images so I can totally understand what that is that I'm purchasing. I think it's just making sure that we are, um, it's not even about oversaturating because I think I'm, I'm sort of contradicting what we said earlier about like putting too much content out, but it's, um, I think when we were saying that it was more about social, not drowning out the noise. But I think this is once you've had an interaction with a brand and you've got your email funnels going and you've got your website, like you do need these multiple forms of content because we all like to consume in different ways. Yeah. 
I think you're right. It's, it's not a contradiction. It's just about being aware. It's a quality over quantity. And even once you have got the email, you know, you're not sending seven emails a day. You're probably sending one a week, if that, because you will just be unsubscribed. You know, it's because it, there is that, you know, that's the same with email, isn't it? We have too many of them. It has to be at the right time and learn from what happens, learn from your mistakes. So, you know, we're not going to get it right first time for your audience. If one a month works better and it's on a Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., keep to it. If you're seeing unsubscribe rates and low, low open rates, you need to change it. Don't keep doing the same thing and think, oh, well, that's what we're going to get. No, you need, yeah. to, you need to challenge it. And I think what you just touched on there is so, so important. You know, if we think about the millions upon millions of pounds that brands invest in a retail and event environment, you know, we've been, I've been running events for a very, very long time. And we think about every single thing at an event, the smell, the temperature, the lighting, how people mm -hmm. walk in, how they leave, where they put their coat down, the queue for the toilets, what type of toilet roll they had. We think about every single thing and that's that immersive experience. Now that's gone and we're online. Are we putting as much attention into our website and our email and our landing page as we did an event? Absolutely not. And I think mm. that is for me the, pro the main focus of what businesses and brands have to do. If you were designing a shop right now, you would go all out. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it comes back to value, right? Like I think I, you know, new brands we work with are often really scared. They're like, Oh, is this too much? I don't know if we should be doing that. Like, is this going to put people off? It's like, do you offer value? Is this valuable? Cause if it's not, nothing's going to help you. <laughs> you know, it's like, you really need to have, be very clear on your offer. Be very clear on your customer's challenges and problems and how does your offer actually help to convert that or solve that problem for that person and then as you say just make it completely immersive so it becomes a no-brainer it becomes less about oh how do i convert the sale and it just becomes a no-brainer conversion mm -hmm. because you've offered them absolutely everything and there's no reason not to say yes absolutely that's a really great point yeah it's a really great point i'm conscious of time and we have yes an incredible amount that I don't think we can throw any more at anyone listening into one episode. Um, what I would like to offer though is that anyone that signs up and registers for any episode in, in season two, um, uh, please do contact us and tweet us at Live Consultancy. Um, let me know your main takeaway of what you've witnessed and I would be happy to do a free um, strategy and digital conversion cycle session for anyone that has come along or registered. Even if you register and you couldn't make it, I absolutely get times of the essence right now um, and I'd be happy to do that I mean those are packages that we would start at around 500 pounds just to do those strategy sessions and I'd be willing to give those to free for anyone that's that's come on board because I get that the tips and things that we're talking about are actually quite difficult to implement when you first start and you just need a bit of a guidance in how to do that um, also we will wrap up and in our email because Stacey so kindly offered to send out some gifts. I don't know if you want to just quickly throw that in. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm really happy to um, offer anybody who's attended a copy of my book, which is called Get Online, Six Simple Steps to Building a Digital Marketing Strategy for the Non-Tech Savvy, and then also a social media um, strategy worksheet. <laughs> I, I'm sure I have a better name for that, but I can't quite remember off the top of my head. <laughs> and that, both of those are super helpful in just getting those practical tips and how to, you know, how to make these connections because that's all we're trying to do is just keep those relationships going um and keep in the front of people's mind as and when they need us but ideally not interrupting their day that's it 
Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Charlotte. It's been amazing speaking to you on the subject. No, amazing. I think we could go on for a long time. So we'll have yeah, to round up for everyone. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Stacey. And thanks to everyone that's joined. I'm really excited for our next guest, Elmos, where we're going to be talking about brand personality, how to create it, how to find it, how to keep it. Uh, because again, we're constantly changing this ever um, changing world that we are in. Um, don't forget to check it out on the Lively podcast if you uh, can't make any of the webinars. And all of season one and season two will be found at the website liveconsultancy.co.uk. So thank you so much. And it'll be great to, when we follow up and see you next time, Stacey. Thank you, Charlotte. See you soon. Bye, guys. Thanks.